snakes an airplane Lenny Bruce is not afraid I have a hurricane Listen to yourself Turn world Serve its own needs Dummy serve your own needs Beat it up and knock speed Well, well, well You could have been anywhere in the world But you're here on the Burn After Listening podcast With myself, Stephen Carpinetta And as always, my co-host, Emily Connor Co-host and cohort like what up, word. Emily? She is Emily's Hello, shit. everyone out there in quarantine land. We hope you're doing as well as can be expected under the circumstances. We're here to open up a cold one with the boys and word, word, word. Yep. So thank you, Emily. We are. I just cracked my cold one with the boys for the boys. Speaking of the boys, a couple of my boys are on the show today. Friends of mine from back in the day. First dude who's on the call, Josh, Josh Schneider from Watertown, New York. He's a district delegate for the IAM Local 761, and he's an anarchist. Josh, would you tell us about your role as a district delegate as you say hello quickly? Yo, what's up? And uh, so far, I've only got to go to one event. It was the MLK Human Rights Conference in D.C. last year, but basically we just go as representatives of our union and, you know, shoot the shit, hang out with some labor folks. It's pretty rad. That's awesome. That's always a good Solidarity. Fuck yeah. Uh, another, our other co-host here for today, our guest co-host is John Brown, goes by JB or Jables. He's from Philly, my hometown, um, and I, I've been instructed to introduce him as someone who makes music and yells obscenities at moderates. And boy, is that true. <laughs> I've, seen it, I've seen it once. I've seen it damn near a thousand times. Hey. Uh, yeah. So JB, welcome to the show. Uh, say hello and tell us what it feels like for you to yell obscenities at a moderate. Oh, it's frustrating. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, you'd think just, it'd be more fun, but it is very frustrating. It, it's it's like a plague when you open that door, right? No pun intended here. It, it's tough. it's like it feels like you're supposed to yell at them, but then you don't want to be that person who's like being mean or yelling at you know telling somebody they're doing bad shit. But right, because that's not a great way to bring supporters to your cause. You're never going to win people over to your side with that kind of attitude. Just if when, you intend to, to influence yell? people and win them over, sir, you are doing a bad job and you're using poor tactics. If I could seriously slap the face of every dork who said that to me, and let me tell you, kid gloves are especially I was going to vote off. for Bernie, but I'm not going to now. Oh <laughs> my, yeah. Yeah, the, one of the harshly at me on Facebook. <laughs> one of the immortal memes was the you know the Warren supporters who who would love would love to to give everybody healthcare, but they can't because someone that likes Bernie was mean to them on the internet. Man, someone what a sent crew! A snake emoji, and that will just not stand. No, that is you know. There's a lot of lines you can cross in my life, but when you use an emoji, you have really just you. It's, have you totally no unforgivable decencies totally fucking unforgivable so we're on the show today um the four of us myself emily josh and jb to speak a little bit about the two-party system you know we we all know that here in the us of a we have the two-party system of democrats and republicans uh, which have for you know way 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 longer than my lifetime or y'all's lifetime probably all of our lifetimes piggybacked uh have have been running shit and really just kind of giving the illusion of choice. I mean, I don't need to delve right into this, but really at the end of this logical you know, conversation is the fact that the two-party system does not really seem to be serving the American electorate, though it's done a wonderful job of duping the American electorate into several things. You know, One, that there's this illusion of choice and that the two sides are so rigidly different, 
um, I've been putting it to people, challenging them in, in situations like where there's a critique of Trump, but not Joe Biden. I'll say, well, let's talk record versus record and actually disregard this fascist. You know, they, they cry fascist every eight years, too. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Let's be yeah. fascist. And let's be real, too. Again, if they get a real fascist someday, they're not going to fucking know what to do because they they've won't. just cried fascist. No, at everybody soft as hell. And they were, you know, they've. Exactly. Got, they've they've uh, cried wolf so many damn times. When the wolf finally shows up, they're going to be completely ready to piss I, themselves. I have to disagree. I think Trump is the fascist, and I think he is. Uh, it, you don't weird. remember well, Bush, though? I mean, waterboarding. Let me defend Sure, go ahead, JB. I don't mean friendly to. fascist with a nice shiny. He, he looked presidential, and it's funny how presidential Bush suddenly is now in retrospect uh, compared to someone even worse. Because I can remember when Bush's little slip-ups, you know, seeing uh, Bush is an idiot and shit like <laughs> like those were held up as like, oh my god, can it get any worse? This man's an utter moron. How do we let this right. happen? And well, he was just and it doesn't matter kid of how. The yeah, it really does. And the problem I have with people calling Trump a fascist is like, for one, yeah, like like Stephen was saying, they're not going to know what hits them when it's a real fascist. But for another, how fascist is he when there are issues to which he is, um, issues right. on which he is to the left of Joe Biden, when Joe Biden is negligibly better, if at all? Um, yes. I just, I, 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 I'm too inclined to regard a lot of it as democratic uh, pearl clutching um, and trying to make him you know, okay let's take for example a really really notable easy one okay kids in cages Obama and Biden built the fucking cages and Joe so, Biden put an entire generation of African Americans in jail uh-huh, for having uh-huh. four oh, grams and, and, of and weed and didn't even realize that that was something he was supposed to pretend to regret until three years ago so when Democrats want to make a huge stink about Trump being a fascist Honestly, what I hear is they remind me a lot of the protesters who are running around right now cosplaying Patriot Wars with their fucking ARs and shit. Like, they love this shit. They love having this paper uh, enemy to posture that they're fighting. Um, They just love that shit. They fundraise well off of it. I'm talking about the Democrats now again, obviously. Um, And also, it's such an incredibly low bar. It's not really hard to portray yourself as better than Trump. Yeah, substantively, uh, while Trump has supplied the 24-hour news cycle with a lot of, you know, outrageous, scandalous little, you know, bit tidbits to go after, um, he has not really substantively done too many things that are all that different from prior Republican and Democratic presidents. Well, that speaks kind of to the the whole duopoly in itself, too, by by labeling, say, Trump is the the fascist, you know, especially coming from the Democrats to the left. Um, Yes. Basically... That's almost it. It's like uh, blame, blame placing, and it's uh, like denying the fascism of the United States itself by yeah, placing right. it all. Trump is a symptom of this. He's not the cause of any of this. He's a uh, exactly. He's a pers- they've they've uh, moved. Like, they've dragged that Overton window back over to the right, so that Bush et right. al. are the new normal, and Trump is the only thing wrong with this whole picture, and right. everything else, all of the colonialism, the imperialism. You know, the uh, military industrial complex, all of it. Those are just normal parts of America, you know, the way they used to be, the way they ought to be, the good old days. And now Trump is the aberration. And that is fascism. If you if you want to look at like what it really is, that's a like everything we're functioning on. So it really doesn't matter which, uh, you know, which party's in control. It's all. 
See, it's all the same goal. I have to jump in. I, I have trouble um, giving uh, too much like respect to these types of conversations because like, what are we judging uh, any of these people on as far as like where they sit on a political spectrum of right and left? Because like when, like you can sit here and say, Oh, well, if Trump is to the left on this issue and that issue and this, when they have us focusing on the issues and they say, let's focus on the issue. Nobody, nobody ever zooms out to the big picture. And then you get all of these intellectuals talking about how it's, it's about incrementalism and it's one issue at a time. And it's like, you know what? No, it's fucking not. No, that's it, a tactic. Yeah, that's a tactic. It's about they, having they a want team your... that's going to fight for an overall idea of a better place for everybody. Right. And, not, and not only don't the Demo- not only do the Democrats not do that, but they pretend to be Neither the knight in shining armor to do that. And I, and again, of course, the Repub- I'm not sitting here saying the Republicans are great. Does I'm just saying that that the at the end of the day, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are operated and controlled by incredibly wealthy career politicians who have been receiving corporate donations their entire life. One side dresses it up as nobility as they're doing the right thing. One side doesn't really bother. That's and I just control. don't know what's worse or better of those well, two. Well, there is-, is no worse or better. And that speaks to what JB just said about bigger picture, because if you, if you elevate yourself like, you know, uh, if you raise yourself up high enough above this that you can look down and see it all for what it is, it doesn't really matter which side it's all. Exactly. Like, it's all fat. It's this is American fascism. We've been but we've been in this for a long time now. I, I would you, you could even say from day one, you know what I mean? Like the entire thing the is parties. a big, like a, a big charade. What was that? Just to placate masses. Parties. I was going to say ever since parties, the idea of parties didn't ever yeah. really fit in the original like. Like whenever there's a system created for anything, whether it's electronic or even recording music, it's like everything has to kind of work together properly for it to have any integrity and hold up. And it's like once you have parties where the only their only real point of the existence is to make laws because laws say that some people can't do the things they want to do, whether it be like fucked up crimes or this or that. And other people are okay with that because they feel protected. So it's like once it gets past that and it turns into a uh, an opinion shaping, like we shouldn't have this law because it goes against this freedom of yours and that freedom of yours. And, you know, these people become opinion shapers and it's like the parties are entirely against everything that the Constitution ever stood for or Right. So just the parties are just like any other corporation. The the parties have, you know, they they have a goal and it's to make money and be the supreme entity in their realm. And and there is no attention to the people. I mean, we've all seen these studies where Congress absolutely does not act in the interest of the constituents. They do quite the opposite. They act right, right. in the interest of their corporate owners. And it's it's no As surprise to me. To do. Yeah. Well, that's, exactly. That's what the I original like- parties were. They were wealthy landowners. So it was basically right. their way of controlling people past, you know, <laughs> their rights. I mean, yeah. That, who were the dudes who started the whole fucking thing? That's, that's, I, it, to me, it's like, you know, you said Bob Marley earlier. I remember he said something about explaining his shit to like a five, in a way a five-year-old could understand it. And that's how I, I reduce, it's reduced like that in my mind. And it's mm-hmm. reduced like that when I speak to other people, like this is all really cut and dry. And if you get down to like the itty bitty of what this whole setup is, all the other shit is just, it's like arguing semantics. It doesn't really, it's irrelevant. Right. It's like once you're sucked in, you, you've already lost. It's, 
it's kind of like there's a point where you go too far inward and that's the real like that's what they've done with uh, with the design they've made it so that you you need like a million little tiny victories just to be able to get on the playing field and and then when you get to the playing field where are you really you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just, right. Yeah. And you don't, and trust me, as someone who's like looked at and worked on campaigns, you don't get anywhere near the playing field unless you're playing ball from the outset or it is everything is uphill and stacked against you. For every single group of races that the Democrats run in, there's a little organization. There's the DLCC here in New York State for the Assembly and the Senate. There's the DCCC federally for the congressional candidates. They find you, they call you, they say, hey, we heard you're running for office. Let's talk about how much money you have, how much you're going to be able to raise and how the fuck you're going to do it or else get off our party line. I'm not even kidding. Corporate management really is super compartmentalized. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it does follow that kind of model. I mean, you know, it's it's gatekeeping and in order to ensure that you won't make it through this tangled labyrinth of obstacles we've set up for you unless you're willing to basically slap on a blindfold and let us guide you and dictate every one of your steps to you. And that's the only way you're going to get to the top and and succeed in this. So isn't that in in essence, isn't that what happened to, to Bernie? I mean, isn't. Isn't that not, ex- not, too, like, not ex- there are a million factors into what? Well, no, I'm saying reduce it down to Bernie. like you know Bernie Sanders being. It's certainly up. the system that Bernie's been fighting against this entire time. He's one of the few who has managed to somehow make it through that mess anyway and be somewhat effective. Um, yeah. But we, we, we could be here for three weeks uh, dissecting everything that happened with Bernie. I think Bernie does what Josh was saying. He has a. a a great way of like reducing things to one sentence and it it needs to be put in that way, even for people who do understand it, because it's like sometimes again, way too many details for the people who care about the details. And it's like the people who care about the details just aren't enough to win. Yeah. You know how you win wars? Your, your highest Lieutenant and your lowest grunt both know the objective clearly without communicating with each other. That's something I actually just saw was, was developed by uh, one of the brothers Kagan in the recent Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, you know, conflicts that came out of nine 11. And I, and I spoke with this about this with a couple colleagues the other day. It's, it's so true. And it's, it goes with this, you know, it, it goes in this case as well. It's, it's simplicity, and how much can you boil it down? I think Bernie did a decent job of that. He had a lot of good ways to counter message this cycle. You know, some people think it's a radical idea that everybody has health care regardless of whether they lose their job. I don't think that's a radical idea, so forth and so on, kind of disarming his critics. Um, but at the same time, I mean, obviously, Bernie mounted like soldier by soldier an incredibly huge grassroots army over the course of, you know, mayor of Burlington, Congress for like, decades and he built it up slow 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 the way you have to build it to actually go at them and that's, you know that's kind of what i what i mean though is like these ideas you know these simplified basic ideas like for instance nobody should fucking die for like lack of insulin you know call me crazy whatever these to you and i and to most normal rational sane people these are like bare bones you know ideas here but that's how strong like this system is that's how deep the indoctrination goes is that we actually have to literally, we have to place the future of our country on debating these ideas with our countrymen. That's fucking insane. And that's where the whole thing boils down to, to me is like, that's how, that's how serious it is. And how far can you really get when you're participating? Like how far can you really get when you're 
immersing yourself in that world because that's when you take these ideas that are basic human dignities realities for you know every other country for instance with healthcare but that's just not even the full spectrum but you know what i mean and then you reduce it down to the point where you have to argue these things on on cable news with pundits in and that's all a spectacle too these fuckers knew what they were going to do to him as soon as he started to gather momentum They started getting the plan and, and it's, you know, the whole TV spectacle, they, they fucking doesn't matter what anybody said on TV. The moment they folded 14 cereal brands into one, you know, happy pile of fucking oatmeal, then, then you got, I mean, it's just, it's just simple marketing. If you take, you know, 20 products and 19 of them are made by one company and one's made by another, you might have trouble beating the sales of 19 other companies. And then when you fold these ding dongs into one giant, ugly Goliath, that's just what happens. You got this sleepy moron. I don't know if anybody caught that rally from Florida, but I, I just I can't believe it wasn't produced as utter parody. I mean, it's just if you have ten minutes, watch the first fucking ten minutes of it. It's it's amazing. Um, but but so anyway, oh, I just to, the wrong country. Oh. <laughs> just to keep oh, the oh, wheels turning. No, no, Stephen, oh, did you hear the the latest the, the big um the, the big strategy to win? Um, I mean. You mean the path to victory that doesn't include Latinos? The path to victory that does not include Latinos that will hand us the victory in November. Uh, (laughs) Joe Biden (laughs) called President Trump a name. A jerk. Oh, that's it. He did it. Get this. Get this, everyone. Are you holding on to your butts? He called him President McTweety. Wow. Oh, boy. That sounds about Biden. Trump will never, Trump's never going to financially recover from this. How will he ever financially or otherwise recover from this setback? But guys, it's not speaking of shout out to Joe exotic. I just saw that his, uh, his current husband was on a live stream today talking about the the latest dispatch from jail. It's like we get Q drops and we get Joe exotic drops. Um, (laughs) To to speak to something real quick that you just said, Emily, I just want to touch on this real quick from, from my perspective or maybe like from an, from an anarchist perspective, I would say that's, that's one of the reasons why we're never going to be able to gain meaningful ground is because like you use the word us, like how we're going to win. We're both, it's, it's all the same thing really. So when we, in my, to me, like when we vest any positive interest in a, in a democratic win period, where we've we've already well, lost. Well, I said I that mean, with tongue firmly in cheek. I was right, I was, right. I was no, being a Democrat point, for yeah. a moment. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, God, yeah. I, like it's like it's half of me feels like Stronger Josh, but then the together. other half, I it's like I do agree. We are all against Trump here. Like that yeah. is true. I I think I I hate to say this, We're but I just Biden think too, that's I mean. a line. I just think okay. that's a line. I think that that's what the Democrats thrive on is that the idea that Trump that's is so thing. It's fucking not that bad. I'm like, not against Trump. It's that that's incidental. Right. I'm against yeah. bad shit. No now Trump happens to be on the side of bad shit, but he doesn't right. define my moral compass or my principles or any of it. He's at least he's open. At least he's open and he says, and he says, oh, there's some fine people on both sides rather than the guy who fucking smugly says, I invite all of the Senate to plumb the depths of this witness's credibility with a little wink when Anita Hill is on the fucking stand. That is something that we're not seeing. I get all of that. But like the other thing that we don't talk about and it should be a part of the conversation is that like the people of the country act different with Trump in there. 
and he gives them a pride that they just shouldn't have. And it that I won't every, dispute. It makes it made, it made everything worse. Let's be Do honest. They I think it's, but, but it's a little overblown. Ask five hundred thousand dead Iraqis yeah, or a black person. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I don't talk think to it would have been any black person who grew up in this country. Talk to any brown person who grew up in this country. They'll tell you it's it is the I privilege mean, yeah. of of uh, well privilege <laughs> to, I mean, to, all... to 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 not realize that this has been going on this whole time to suddenly oh, right. all of a sudden it's the issue du jour because Trump is in office and it's fashionable to kick right. back against what's a very obvious form of this but it's been going going on this whole time. Well, I mean, just body count. focused on the issues, folks. Like, bo- like body counts alone. I mean, let's just talk body raw deaths. I mean, Bush was fucking, <laughs> what, regardless of what events transpired to cause us to go to war in Iraq and Afghanistan, hundreds of thousands of people, a lot of civilians died. Yeah. I mean, I understand Trump has, you know, made some some alt-right dickheads a little bit more vocal and they're doing stupid shit, but that's again, that's symptomatic. Yeah. These people were not created by Trump. They were slightly the, the emboldened problem, by Trump. The problem, Stephen, is that it's a lot easier to notice and be angry when an alt-right dickhead uh with a swastika on is saying something. It's a lot less obvious to most people that they should be just as angry when a racist criminal justice system is regularly mowing down black men in the streets because they know they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Or when it's an old dude with aviators licking an ice cream cone, giving you a nice wink. <laughs> there you go. There you <laughs> go. Just that, way to dress it acceptable, up. It's a veneer of acceptability and normality over the same rot and cancer that you know, uh, if you, if if that, if that can wear a slightly uglier mask, the Democrats will line up to throw things at it. But you know, but it takes so little to put them back to sleep. Dare I say that if Hillary Clinton were elected president, the amount of war that we would be engaged in right now would be through the roof ridiculous. I have a theory that she was just so excited to show how tough she was to these same war hawks, Bill Crystal. And the Kagans and these people that have dictated foreign policy and just literally just backstroked gleefully from Republican well, administration that to Democrat that administration out? for 50 years. She yeah, people have dictated tough, our war policy. Hillary was is totally in coats with these people. I mean, Victoria Nuland there, Kagan's wife, was the deputy secretary of state under Kerry who was responsible for going and essentially trying to start a war in Crimea. I mean, these people want war desperately. Right, it yeah, all ends point- in Russia. The point of war ultimately being profit, right? So, and it just it, it makes the case because these it you can see the evidence of that and how hard these fuckers fight each other. Because yeah. like we're we're on the ground thinking, oh, these like they're fighting over some fucking like what morals? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's not that's not what they're at war about. They're at war for that profit, man. And that's it's a real deal thing. Yep. But thankfully, they've had the, the, you know, not only the CIA's malfeasance behind the scenes, but they've got corporations married to the media in order to make sure that everything keeps rolling here. And that's a lot of sheep pulling and a lot of, you know, Sinclair Broadcast Group mashups where you got fucking 90 a, news man. stations reading the same exact I fucking know, line. I know, that scary, right? It's goofy. And it's just like people see it and they just, eh, whatever. I mean, it's just our modern world and I don't really know. But this is actually the segue into part two of our discussion. Part one Ooh, being- real fast before we do that, just because you made me think of it, Stephen, and I thought it was yeah. hilarious. Um a tweet oh a couple maybe a couple weeks ago um apparently a biography of hillary clinton written by gail sheehy and published in uh 1999 stated that mrs clinton refused to talk to the president for eight months after the Lewinsky scandal broke she resumed talking to him only when she phoned him and urged him in the strongest terms to begin bombing serbia 
Mm. And the president began bombing within 24 hours. Sounds absolutely well, right. That's like a, it's like a bouquet of flowers. That was the excerpt. The, the Twitter user uh, remarks uh, snidely that, in fact, <laughs> Bill Clinton may have bombed a country so Hillary Clinton would resume missionary sex with the lights off has ruined my entire week. Fucking it's A. Like, well, think about it like the way you, you know, make up with your boyfriend here on the ground at home like normal people and then magnify that to like a sociopathic capitalist level. Like, Yeah, I guess chicken right. nuggets weren't working for Hillary Clinton. Right. He had to go bomb right. Serbia. Right. Yeah. Human sacrifice. These fuckers topple nations for way less, you know? Right. Baby, I went in there and I took care of those Serbs. Can you just please talk to me, Hillary? I spent so long just wanting to be with you, Hillary. Just slicking her out. Yo, I watched the four-part Hillary docu-series like six times. I brought my friend, my friend Sneha was staying with me for a couple weeks. And I was like, yo, have you watched this Hillary thing? And she's like, no, why would you? I'm like, oh my God, it's like delightfully, you know. (laughs) Delightful. It's like asceticism. Like it's like flogging yourself. It's wonderful. And she's like, oh, turn it on. We got like, we got like 18 (laughs) minutes in. And she was like, she's like, if you don't turn it she said no word i think that's what it is and she's flying. like if you don't turn this shit off like what the fuck are you doing this is like how do you i'm like all right all right, all right, all right i get it but i loved it and i got i love watching it. them yeah watching them spin that fucking wheel and just oh, you know so and, and they went deeply into the uh you know they went deeply into the bill clinton indiscretions and just made hillary seem like this just poor hillary and she was so strong and she weathered it and Brought the family back together and all this dog shit. Nah, everything's political. Everything's political opportunism for that woman from the start of her career when she entered college as a Republican. For all of them, man. Oh, yeah. I know. You can till see her, it till, in her from a very young age. She's a total climber, cold blooded, absolute climber. socialite, rich, spoiled socialite, absolute sociopath. I just I mean, one of the most deep that I've ever seen. I, I don't understand what the rest of the country like sees with all these people there's like this whole group of politicians that have been there for decades i know and it's like i, I lie awake sometimes and think about this like i don't understand bro, we see shit like, in them trying Nobody to wrap my mind no, around they, the emotional and mental state of a human being that could i can adulate and idolize these people i can speak to that from just quickly from a from a labor perspective like these like root and toot and fucking machinist men that i work with every day who wrap themselves up in Trump or, you know, the, got the occasional uh, Democrat, these people there, I mean, you're so busy trying to survive on the basis levels, right? Oh, I don't have a problem understanding people um, acting that way with Trump. I actually, I was raised Republican. I actually have a pretty good time. It's just for the, for the quote unquote smarter versions is what I'm trying to get to. Like that might be it, I guess I have a hard time getting into the, the headspace of someone that yeah, it's just a strange. Yeah, this right. kind of I don't like think any cheap, of us here can get like into that brand space. of faux intelligence. It's not even like like it's not actually right. intelligent enough to impress me on that basis. So I don't. Are get we it. talking about vote blue no matter who? Just to be clear, yeah. right. it, well, it. what it is is that, for instance, you know, it's someone who wants to feel like they're not down with, say, you know, uh, the you know the border rhetoric or locking a Mexican in a cage, and they think that they they identify that a uh, higher moral ground with a democratic candidate that's all that really is in my experience anyway and that's why the democrats message so forcefully outward that they are better than the alternative and that's all you'll hear them saying is that they're better than the alternative because they spent three and a half years talking shit let's do the job right now just for everybody who does listen to this it's like okay so what will the democrats say they'll say abortion what about the supreme court supreme court so what every democrat that's been in your argument 
do not come at me and try to use it to shame me into voting for the guy who is the reason Clarence Thomas Isn't and exactly. Scalia. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't go there with Joe Biden. That's not yeah, going to be your argument if you're trying Clarence to. Clarence Thomas literally would have been is, kicked off the court if justice was served. And that, my point that is in this, alone though, you, is a judge. You guys know that because you're engaged. They don't know that. Right. So it's like, no, how no, do you explain right. that to them? That exactly. is what and I we say. Don't, and we don't mean I to say, jump on each other. Because, right. Yeah, I say objectively, no, I'm look at the record asking. because you, your boy is not the you know leftist judge appointing a person you think he is right and right. emily and, what and I who did obama I, look at gorsuch i mean look or, you know look at like just the history of these previous appointments by democratic presidents they're shit you know they're just but they're, that's, they're that's kind of a, that what i'm saying and, and i think maybe what he's touching on is that that kind of like even these names and these like these the average on the ground person isn't involved on a level to understand any of the stuff that we're talking about right now. And that's not like some pseudo intellectual well, high ground. they're not able to understand, this person has voted it's not that for they're not or able nominated to bad it, justices. If they're not right. able to understand that, I don't know why that person would be trying to make this argument in the first place. That seems like a little it's bit not, of a well, trash. Regardless but, of yeah, whether but they do. And it's not being corralled to do. I mean, Correct. Yeah. If you're aware of the fact that something like the Supreme Court exists and that justices are nominated and that, okay, so you, you've grasped this framework. Okay, well, the final piece well, is see, most this man though. does not <laughs> rely. Oh, well, they wouldn't be making that argument then. Well, no, they parrot no, it. There's dummies they, out there that hear, oh, what about the Supreme you, you Court? And you go, what about the Supreme Court? And they go, I don't know. They like, think not. They've never even. Oh, I do. Absolutely. Consider Absolutely. The, consider really. the, let me paint oh, a person. I see it all the time. Like, consider I, I, this you person. You challenge. You could challenge half the people who say, oh, because of the Supreme Court, and challenge them to actually name three justices or anything. I'm not even talking about that. They don't even have to know specific justices, okay? Or or how the Supreme Court applies. what about the Supreme Court? They have to at least have grasped the concept that such a thing exists, and we want people on it that are on our side. I meant like they heard it at the water. All I have to say then is Joe Biden has pushed for or voted for people who you are gotta definitely not on our side. Further, though. You're talking about, like you mentioned abortion, okay? So we're talking about things like abortion, good or bad, right? Uh, these good or bad, good or bad. These are basic things and people on the ground that are on that level, like, you know, they're not thinking about things like who was appointed to court justices and shit like that. Yeah. It's and just a they, like, basic virtue saying, signaling. What about the Supreme Court? These are our voters, though. But this that's, is what's that's going the whole on right thing. Now. Like the Democrats have created this narrative that if the Republicans get to win, if Trump gets to win, they're definitely putting a super conservative judge on the Supreme Court, and McConnell's going to do that, and that's the whole thing. So it's like they know that part of it. I mean, what do you do with that? It's like you say, Point "Oh, out we'll that the very people <clears throat> they're trying to scare you with have been supported for and voted by Democrats like Joe Biden." That's not Which that hard to stretch. Oh, then, no, but I then you get, get into the you get into the very questionable territory of trying to convince someone that perhaps they didn't have the complete facts, which just in these days is just such a fucking death sentence to try it to. It really yeah. is, especially when you're talking to, to liberals anyway, when they've made Ugh. such an identity out of uh, exactly. patting themselves on the back for being the better informed half of the American populace. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to like the white working class that Trump so like obviously tapped into with the populist rhetoric and shit, what more importantly is you have to. You, you got to get these people to understand why this shit even affects them at all. Period. True. Yeah. 
Well, there's, and there's definitely levels to this. Like I can see it already. Like, I mean, Emily and I, and, and, you know, we, we engage very regularly and, and, you know, I know JB does too. We all do with people online who kind of give these boilerplate responses and <laughs> rarely do I dig too deep. But I mean, if someone said to me, the Supreme court, I, I could literally guarantee like a quarter of those people couldn't actually flesh out like what, well, what's the process? What does a president do that has to do with the Supreme court? I literally feel like a lot of these people are water cooler. Just, they just heard that that's the line. That's what you tell some dumb Republican. That's more what I was. What about the Supreme court? You know, and that, that's where I think a lot of people are. And and Josh is right. You have to, and then there's, you know, there's just fucking these working dudes literally around the water cooler. You know, I've, I worked at a union electrician shop for, for four years while I was an undergraduate. And there's a lot of idea formation at that one. And aren't course. those our real voters? I mean, isn't that like really what America is comprised of is poor and working class people? Yeah. Like, I almost yeah. feel like part of this two party system, whole Democrat, Republican, you know, A, B, whatever that we talk, it's almost elitist in its like definition. Like these people on the ground that are paying their bills and working every day, 40 hours a week, like they just don't give a fuck about Supreme Court justices. They don't they, care. Right. They've already been. No, they don't. Like it's, trigger words. Yeah. it's basic trigger feelings. And that's what these two parties pander to. And that's what creates this like illusion. Well, it's, of, like, it's their, it's their motion and their gut expertly tweaked and triggered yeah. by the, yeah. by the right um, buzzwords and the right pitches that media knows how to make very well. You, you know, you drop words in there, like, you know, the stock market, the job market, housing, et cetera give them the impression this candidate is going to somehow in ways that you're not prepared to sit down and learn and understand somehow they're going to influence all of these fears to your better. So show up in color in the circle. That's right. what your average low, low information, lower class, working class voter is most likely going to be. Yeah, your typical American, I would mm-hmm. say. And that's yeah. also like why, why that's how that's what, that's what the Bernster did. Right. That's Basically. what he broke down. That's how he turned well, he, people. Except I think he did it a little bit better. He took that concept. See, I think what what media does when they when they kind of exercise a strategy is they're 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 twisting that to their advantage. They know that the average working class voter cares about X, Y, and Z. So they they use that to swindle that voter by lying to them by feeding them information that will in fact benefit them and the corporations fund them. Um, what Bernie tried to do was rip the sheet away and give working class voters, you know, that was one thing I always appreciated about him, his speeches and stuff. He didn't talk down to people, even though his uh, audience were typically uh, working class voters who don't really have the time to be super informed about politics. He never talked down to them. He would talk like he was assuming a certain level of interest, of competency, and he mm-hmm. would educate at the same time that he was, you know, and he would do it all using a, a vocabulary that was easy to understand. Um, you know, it was really pretty masterful the way he kind of would do that. Um, but he was actually trying to, I think, do the the correct version of that, which was give people the truth, show them who's taking advantage of them, um, you know, give them some hard facts about the economy that we're living in um, and and about the, the holes and the leaks in, in democracy and, and show them the, the causal relationship. Uh, between those two things so that they would understand why they've been ripped off um, and disillusioned by the political process this entire time. Well, he's also letting everybody know that it's going to take like an entire army of people. And that's exactly the way I like the, I like the political revolution um, phrase. I didn't like the political part so much because I, I kind (laughs) of like instinctively felt the futility of this entire uh, thing. And I know baby steps, baby steps. You know, well, you, you know, you, that's kind of what we're talking about, though, right? Right. Is incrementalism. You're absolutely right. right. You're absolutely right. But this is this isn't him. 
baby steps for. Right, right. Well, this isn't this to me. It's it's like different degrees. DNC mainstream baby steps is let me say we're going to take a small increment so that I can really just never change at all. In fact, if anything, I'm going to stick the boot further down your fucking throat and lie to you and say we're doing baby steps. I feel like Bernie was like, I'm about to throw myself into this corporate landscape. I have to just kind of massage some words. You know what I mean? To not just because those same water cooler people were like this motherfucker wants revolution. I mean, Alex Jones was going to Bernie's rallies in 2020 saying, why do you support a violent overthrow of the government? Because if you look up the word revolution, that's what it says. So he's just being a fucking douche. That's kind of what I'm saying. It's ironic. But if Bernie, like sometimes I think, man, if maybe Bernie would have went for more of that crass, like Trump delivery, I mean, dude, like, you know, take it to the fucking streets, man. I know. And I, you know, it's just, it's not The only problem with that is this, is that the people that would have responded to that anyway, were already there. Possibly Um, true. Bernie's, you know, the most fervent burning core of Bernie's base. They were already the ones showing up to the rallies. They were already the ones voting for him. That doesn't attract more voters. And unfortunately, we're currently still getting our asses kicked because unfortunately, a lot of ignorant older boomers show up and vote. And they weren't the ones that were going to respond to that anyway. That wasn't going to broaden his base at all. Unfortunately, I would I would have I would I would have found it personally very fulfilling. Had he done that, I would have loved to see some of the kind of fire that we used to see out of Bernie back in like the 80s when he was a little bit more reckless with the way he spoke. And was, I mean, he was really had like a a full on fight going with the the media most of the time. Yeah, he was putting some pretty ballsy shit out there back in the day. He really was. Like, I've seen some of his old letters that he sent, and he was pretty, like, he would make you proud on some of this shit, Josh. But I know that I. Like, you I know, do agree that he could have taken a much more aggressive posturing this well, time around. You could argue that that's necessary are, yeah. right now. There are what, things yep. that I think, like there are specific actions that I think he could have taken that were more aggressive that I that, that would have um, probably yielded results that you would have wanted. But it it, it wouldn't have just you know the the floodgates wouldn't have just been thrown open if Bernie had just been like Trump crass constantly. That 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 wasn't going nah. to do it. I, yeah, there are things it, I wish he had fought more, um, you I know, think, specific, I think Bernie really lost, underhanded. I think yeah. Bernie lost 2020 when he endorsed Hillary in 2016. See, that, that is such a why well, He said at I the outset of so. 2016 that he was going to endorse the Democratic nominee I, I just on one so. of these I mean, good like faith. Like I said, I think we like could tantrums. go and dissect this, uh, this election and come up with probably 24 yeah. or 25 major reasons that all contributed. I don't think any of them was going to be enough to take him on its own. I think, um, yeah. It was I a just, perfect storm of. Right. Good, I mean, when you when you have a candidate who is handily outraising every other candidate in the field, um, no no question. Um, when mm-hmm. when money has always been the predominant predictor, you know, when when you have someone who is neatly uh, meeting all of those benchmarks for who is likely to win based on historical data, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we just fall into a black hole. Because you know, Obama I, fucking picked up a phone and made some fucking phone calls. I gotta you know. say though, again, no, no disrespect to you guys from the common from the common person. It's like you, they don't, they might not know all the whole narrative and timeline. So and what they, they see, will. what they see, is basically Bernie endorsing this whole establishment that he's apparently right. going to get that's rid true. of. So right. they don't and trust it. True. And they're like, that's, why should I, I would actually yeah. fundamentally disagree with that. The average person didn't have that opinion. A small segment of his base um, arrived at that conclusion and became very angry. And many of them defected. And you had all of the, 
the people calling him a sheepdog, et cetera. Those are the people that actually were following the campaign very closely and had yeah. a lot of strongly formed opinions there's, about this kind of thing. The average person <laughs> um, really wasn't paying that close attention to it. Um, and if, if, if you've got more individual donors than anybody else in the race. Clearly, you don't have as widespread a problem with voters perceiving that you bent over for Hillary or whatever. Well, um, at least my, not enough to make I, we, a difference we, that would hand the win to anyone else. I understand why he we did, gotta, what he did. We, I, you know, JB, I get just, it. Closing comment, JB, and we got it. We really got to roll to point two. We're, we're 40 minutes in. I know we could talk about Bernie all day, but I want to really get back to the two-party system and bring our guests on. So just JB, if you could just closing thought on Bernie in the, in the past and we'll move to the present and the future. Oh, no. I mean, I was good. I mean. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, so yeah, great talk. Let's uh, let's say that we can agree that the two-party system pretty much blows. And I think it we blows. have to talk about where we're at and then eventually where we're going. I want to bring on our first guest. Uh, Tucker Coburn is from New York City. He is the first vice chair of the Libertarian Party in New York. And he's actually a candidate for the Libertarian National Committee as well. I've been following his campaign page we know each other in, in personal life. I do have libertarian friends, lots of them, which is surprising to a lot of progressives. I, have I, I guess there's this polarizing uh, stuff. But Tucker, are you, are, you, uh, are you there with us? Yeah, volume good. Hey, yeah, you sound great, man. Thanks for, thanks for calling in and joining us. You're here with myself, Emily, JB, and Josh. Hello. And uh, hey. we thank you for coming on with a slightly different perspective. Normally, it's like a bunch of progressives here in an echo chamber on this on this show, whether or not they're more the storm, the bank type or the let's do it electorally type gag. Uh, we gag. do it that way. So <laughs> this week we wanted to bring on some people with alternative ideas who, you know, know the democratic framework, know the Republican framework, maybe working outside of it. So Tucker, yeah. oof, there's a cracky right yeah. there. Somebody's <laughs> snapping a freaking tasty one. So My mouth is watering. Oh, that's Josh, you bastard. All right. So Tucker, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, man. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, of course, it's our pleasure. I, just, I guess you just want to, you know, you, you've been, uh, you know, probably listening along to our chat here about uh, the parties and how we're just like, you know, kind of fed up with the two-party system. And it feels like it's just such an insurmountable goal to try to make any change to it. It feels like, you know, you're, you're conditioned to think that a third party is not a, a viable option. And yet, I mean, in New York State, for instance, we had the Libertarian Party showing incredible turnouts in the last gubernatorial election, which, as some people know, who do the inside baseball politics thing in New York, that's actually how you get a ballot line is you earn a certain amount of votes in the gubernatorial primary. Tucker, would you briefly describe y- y'all's successes in the 2018 primary and where you stand as far as making progress toward a party line? Yeah. So in 2018, um we had Larry, uh, Larry, Larry Sharp. Wow. Larry Sharp run uh, for governor. And he got the requisite votes. Uh, it used to be 50,000 votes that you would need to get in the gubernatorial election in order to have valid access for four years. So obviously, we put a lot of effort in that. And we really, we did fairly well upstate, a lot better than we've ever done upstate. And there were some counties even, I think Schuyler County, we got like 9% of the vote. We did, we got 16% of the vote in Prattsburg, for example. So there were places and pockets of upstate New York where we did really well. Um, and I think that that's, kind of because our ideology plays well into a lot of the mindset that is in upstate New York and people are a yes. little bit more willing to vote outside of the two-party system. But in New York City, yeah. we did not pick up very many votes. Unfortunately, um, although this is more because of the Working Families Party than anything the libertarians would believe about themselves, um, but the uh, 
the restrictions, I would call them, have been raised. So now you have to get even more votes and you have to do it every two years to keep your line. So Yes. And as you mentioned, this is largely, you know, those in the know would say this is definitely overt revenge on behalf of the governor for the working families party sort of traditionally challenging him. And most specifically by running Cynthia Nixon and Jermani Williams and Zephyr Teachout to try to uh, displace his appointed crew of cronies, which uh, run the state, Kathy Hochul, and now just James, formerly the sexual maniac, Eric Schneiderman. Uh, so, it's it's weird, and let me ask you one quick, uh, another quick inside baseball question, Tucker, before we try to maybe uh, draw the discussion down to the level of common voters and what we're messaging out. But to that point, in New York State, you said you enjoyed a, um, great success upstate. I can attest as a resident of upstate that people up here are very willing to go outside the box party-wise. They're very distrustful of either party, uh, more so Republicans being distrustful of Democrats. I live in an R6 congressional district to give everybody who is following along a feel for that, um, for the proportion. So it, it is a little, it's interesting up here, much different from the city. Now, do you think a lot of the folks upstate who voted libertarian last time were more traditional libertarians and in tune with the traditional philosophy or more folks who were just seeking an alternative and saw something that, you know, hearkened to a sense of departure from these two major parties? No, I think that they were more the, I think that the Republicans put up a uh, fairly weak candidate that was a little bit more establishmenty, And a lot of the voters that came out for our candidate were actually Trump supporters. So anti-establishment Republicans or conservatives or whatever you'd want to call them. Um, So they're looking for that outside of the two-party system voice. And I think that our candidate captured that really well, whereas the Republican candidate did not. And obviously Cuomo didn't either because it's Cuomo. Sure. Yes. So that was Mark Molinaro, correct? Yes, Molinaro. Molinaro. Great. Okay. So looking... Go ahead, JB. I think that's what the Democrats are missing right now. Um, They're not seeing that the people voted for Trump because they even hated the Republicans. They hated like... Uh, Mark Rubio and Ted Cruz and all these people. So it's like now that he's with them, I don't know. Trump's still kind of their guy, but if somebody comes along, who's definitely outside of the two parties who they feel is great. I mean, there's, like I said, I've told a lot of people, there are a lot of Trump supporters who are ready to vote for Bernie because they actually, they believe in him as the outsider where they thought Trump was the outsider before. Yeah, there were a lot of voters that switched from uh, Bernie to Trump or vice versa. Um, And that's because of the anti-establishment idea. I I have no idea what's going to happen this year because I would argue that Trump is more establishment-y now. Biden is basically a male Hillary Clinton. So, like, I don't don't know where they're going to go. I always, yeah. I always try to like establish in that conversation too that like anti-establishment doesn't mean like completely anti-government, and some people think that it does. I, I try well, to no, let them know it, that the it's, problem is. I I it, try to like let, you you go ahead. <laughs> well, you you've got this perception of you know establishment versus anti-establishment, but if that doesn't go far enough to encompass the fact that the establishment is funded by corporate America. Right. by the military and prison industrial complexes, et cetera. Um, if you don't grasp that, then you will look at someone like Trump and be like, oh, anti-establishment, even though he's right. literally funded by the same people. The and problem, a true anti-establishment yeah. candidate would be someone who rejects this entire system, not just 
Correct. Political that's face that's of it, but the, the funding behind it. I think the problem yes. is buzzwords because anti-establishment yep. kind of comes with this aesthetic of like someone who's chucking flaming bottles and like things like that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, somebody's I mean, chucking flaming bottles. Nobody on this call has ever done that together. That's what I I've certainly to never made plans to chuck any flaming no, bottles. I don't know ever. what you're talking about. That's well, what I was going to say. Yeah. It's anti-establishment. Really, what that I think what that boils down to is people who are unaffected by the political process, like completely. It just doesn't involve them in the way that they they look at it. They see you know millionaires and billionaires dictating this and that. They see like the, the game of it all and people on the ground just don't really feel like they have a, a say in any of that shit. So when someone kind comes that steps outside of that framework, whether it's a Trump or a, you know, a Bernie or whatever the case may be, the fact that people, voters can be so easily swayed between what we would look at as such polar opposites kind of speaks to that in my opinion, like, yeah. Well, I don't know if you it's not- are aware of this, but um, within the Libertarian Party nationally, there are a lot of folks that are hoping, and I am, I'm, for the record, not one of them, but there are a lot of folks that are trying to have our presidential nominee be Vermin Supreme, if you're familiar with yep. his. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because those people He makes are, more sense I to mean, me than anybody else. He is a, I mean, a wonderful political satirist that is able to make fun of the establishment politics and make fun of how absurd the whole situation is. Um, I think yeah, it would a make a little bit of a personal history with Vermin Supreme. Yes, he's a, oh, he's a very fun. smart man. Actually, no, he is. He's he a wonderful is. man. I, th- I, my opposition to him is more because I focus on down ballot candidates, and I think it would be very difficult for some of them to market <laughs> with Vermin Supreme on the top of the ticket. I was just going to say, I'm so out on this. You got to admit how amazing it is though, for someone to completely like to put that much effort into pulling people a- a- away from it. You could say, because it's probably the most, he's probably one of the most real ones on, on the stage right now. You know what I mean? Like at least Who's- he's uh, in that satire. At Who's least that he- construction worker guy going after Paul Ryan? The Iron Stash. Is he a good guy? Or not? I, I loved his, his commercials. I don't oh, know. I'm so uninformed on that. I mean, to be honest with you, I, it, it's just all those high profile races against people like Paul Ryan just seem so fucking forced to me. I don't know. It's that guy, though, I, I love this. I mean, commercial. his videos like, were lit. I'm, I'm a, a sucker. Like, I get sucked Paul into Ryan. videos, man. I love Richard Ojeda or whatever. Like, I, I'm a sucker for See, a dramatic I don't. video. I had a feeling about him from the beginning, and it was. Yeah, he ended know, up being justified. Yeah. I, you know what it was? It was <laughs> kind of just that I'm so I'm stoked for the Overton window shift that might happen if nut bars like this kind of get out there and make ridiculous ridiculous campaigns you know and it did yeah, remind me awesome. so are they really the ones pushing the window <sighs> i mean just wind up spiraling I, yeah, into some, like, is the window really anything and that... end up being a flat earth no you yeah, know yeah, yeah who knows who knows who knows it, it's the, you know I it's feel all like those types generally tend to flame out if they, the politics, they don't have the endurance or the stamina of somebody like a bernie sanders to keep hammering away at the same issues and they tend to kind of run up against well, a wall, throw a tantrum, they all, they all about out, have the same impact. If you want to get uh, down to like I'm what not, actually happens in the real that. world, you know. Well, point out any substantial achievements, you know, for the likes of Richard Ojeda or people like that. You know, I can I can give you. A, we'll be here all night if I list off <laughs> the ones that Bernie Sanders has managed to 
achieve even in the oh, team Sanders of has the Sanders has itself. absolutely recreated democratic messaging in the matter of four years. I mean, we were getting well, laughed I'm off not, of every stage. Let's even, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a very notable, um, aspect of all this, but even just your bread and butter, um, issues, even just the, 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 the not sexy stuff that most people haven't heard about. Um, but that totally changed or saved the lives of thousands, if not millions of people. Um, yeah. You know, like there, there is something to be said for that. And I don't see a lot of these kind of flash in the pan controversial um, candidates going to Disney and going to, to Amazon. Do a lot of branding. And, yeah. Right. They're just, yeah, Look at me. I'm a, I'm a maverick. Oh, my God. You, you don't know where I'm coming from. I'm a, I'm a wild card. <laughs> and it's and they never really nothing ever really comes of them. They, they're for two two three years later. Nobody even remembers who, the, who that was. That's true. Yeah. I guess we're that speaks sign. to what we're talking about, though, right? Like this, this whole what the situation that we're in, the duopoly, the two, the two parties, and the you know us on this, we understand they're basically the same thing, and so it, it comes down to like how you're trying to look at it and the macro or the micro. Like, yes, we have these like small these well small whatever to the what we're talking about these things that have been won, right? These little battles that get fought and make things slightly easier for people in this position or that position or that position. But in the long term, and the reality of like how we're living on this planet in this country, we're not really seeing uh, too much anything go down. And then when a guy like Bernie comes along, he just gets snuffed out by, by capital, basically by the corporate powers that control this shit. It can be defeating, you know, like for someone like myself, oh, yeah. I, I feel completely like futility. I slip into like nihilism and shit. I don't even know why I even bother caring anymore. Sometimes, you know, some oh, sure, days are sure. better than others. I got in <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty been a pretty devastating dark. cycle for me because, as Josh can attest, you know, we've been on this kind of path of you know since Occupy. You know, we went to Occupy Binghamton together, Josh. You and I did in my you know in this area where I live, uh, and it, that was what. A decade ago and we've always had this idea that something really really needed to change and back in those days i we were proud that i you know i remember josh remember when you all stayed the night the one time and i had my voter report card on the fridge because oh, yeah. i had an f it was like how are you this old and you've never once voted you get an f you're the worst voter ever right. and I hung it on the fridge i was stoked <laughs> yeah. i was not interested in part and i just graduated with a fucking pre-law politics degree you know, four or five years prior. So it's like, I was specifically tuned out of this shit, but we for a long time have been wanting the same thing. And up till recently, you know, I even had Josh going on Bernie a little this cycle, a lot, actually, like last cycle, eh, he wasn't really feeling it. And then there was a couple posts he made this, this cycle where he was like, yeah. you know, I, the yeah, momentum I, could be there. We could, yep. this could be the fucking way. And he was, was you know, stoked, he was really man. feeling it. We were on the same tip there for a while. And, you know, I kept saying to him, if this all comes crashing down, I'm going to be coming back a lot harder toward your side. And <laughs> yeah. that's where I find myself recalibrating now is my interest in working in electoral politics, other than to absolutely shake it up and like disrupt it. Is it really an all time low? So I, I just feel like it's, it's a weird time to try to get people engaged. And just I wanted to go back to Tucker once more um, with, with a question and say, Tucker, what could we do as people who you know don't want to fuck with the two major parties but aren't necessarily libertarians? Or what could maybe y'all do? Like, how can we find grounds to 
find an alternative? And it's not specifically a libertarian answer or a question, but what do you think, generally speaking, is a good approach for common people to try to fly some kind of flag where they can defeat or escape this two-party system? I mean, obviously, your response may be tinged toward a libertarian outcome, but just try to speak generally, if you could, and, and, and let us know what you think is any possible path, if any. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a couple things. One, be willing to support a third-party candidate. Um, it doesn't have to be the libertarian. I would love it if it was, but it, it, there's going to be a Green Party candidate too. Um, there's going to be, if you go further down, there'll be a Constitution Party candidate likely. I don't know if they'll be on the ballot in New York. Um, but that's something that if you go out and you vocally support a third party candidate, or at the very least, you don't defend your candidate saying, well, it's better than the other guy. Um, that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's helpful. I mean, the, the real issue that we face as a third party is that people are so stuck in this, uh, in the two party mentality that they assume that votes belong to one of the two parties. That's why like yeah. when people say, Oh, you're taking a vote from blank or blank. It's because, well, no, right. the Democratic Party doesn't own that vote and neither does the Republican Party. Um, yeah. So being able to- Say that again. So- uh, yeah. He's basically saying that the, the people are conditioned and the parties are conditioned to have the tacit understanding that there ain't no other choice. So they, they, they don't have to do much to win people over. Yeah. The fact that blue no matter who is said unironically is, I mean, extremely problematic. So I just even fighting back against that messaging, even if you say, look, I'm going to vote for Biden because I think he's the best choice. I don't know who here would say that. Um, maybe you st maybe you believe that, maybe you don't. Um, but don't say I'm going to vote for Biden because Trump sucks. Right. So or, it's that yeah, sort of a message. A vote for Y, a vote for X is a vote for Y. Yeah, vote yeah. For everybody Z is a vote right. against X. I have a new yeah. slogan. Everybody who says blue no matter who, it's because of you. Right. And the, and the, yeah. it's all dependent. I mean, it's a self-perpetuating shit pit. It literally well, is. And, and it, this, it, it this is, happens on for third party candidates, but also for um, candidates like Bernie, where you'll notice every single election cycle, the establishment players will say, this one is too important. We can't lose votes this time. We have to unify this time. And every four years right. or every two years, it's this time is too important. You can't vote for anyone else. It's, it's always going to be twice too in my life with <laughs> Bush and, and Trump. And that's a and really good point to make. Go yeah, ahead, Steve. The party, and then I'll just the party, the party who cried fascist. They literally every eight years, this is the worst possible blah blah blah. And I've just seen it twice, and I just I don't fucking believe it. You know, and maybe Trump yeah. is the real fascist, but the reason I don't believe it is because I spent eight years listening to how. Bush was a fascist. And frankly, I'm more inclined to believe that the man was laying brown people to waste like it was his fucking job. Not that Obama didn't, but Bush just went to yeah. war. You know, we won't even and talk about want, how he got there. And let's keep going back <laughs> further. And, and let's talk about the, the actual amount of real devastation done to this country by the likes of Ronald Reagan. Um, you know, who, right. you know, he smiled <laughs> and he, a lot of people liked him for God knows what stupid reason, but <laughs> you know, he, he set us on a, you know, whether we were talking about the deregulation of the banks or the, um, the, uh, well, I guess Bill Clinton's a little bit more to blame for the media becoming a, a lump, um, or, or even just, you know, this whole lie of trickle down economics, which is, you know, seeing income inequality explode at an exponential mm -hmm. rate that nobody saw up to that point. Like there, you know, he may have dug us into a hole that we no longer have the ability to dig ourselves out of because right we simply on. cannot in, we cannot catch up in time to the amount of influence 
that the money class has on our politics. And with that goes things like making decisions about whether the planet is going to be habitable, you know, but people don't want to hear that because to them, well, Reagan looked and sounded presidential. And he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall and other shit like that. That's really meaningless. And it's like, <laughs> every, well, I mean, every, time, a, she says, a, every I, time she says Reagan, I'm picturing the man on a horse, a velvet painting. Oh yeah. He's on a horse. He's got oh, the cowboy hat and the red bandana tied around his neck with a big smile. He's tan. That, that speaks <laughs> to why people are so, like you yeah. were talking about uh, stealing votes from, you know, a vote for a third party is a, you know, a, lo- a loss of a vote for this. That's why people feel so inclined to vote for these two perceived major powers is it, I think it's desperation. You know what I mean? Like. And as Tucker yes. said, it's all contingent on the idea that there's only the two. Once people well, look outside the, la- the when's two, when's the last time a third party candidate has won a presidential election? Well, I mean, oh, a long time ever, ago. I mean, but, but you had, I mean, technically, well, yeah, Lincoln. I mean, but well, wait, 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 we just wait, had wait, an independent come within a sneeze of it. But yeah. well, oh, we had. Well, I mean, Ross, Ross Perot, but Ross Perot only gained support because he got in the debates because the Democrat and the Republican both thought that Ross Perot would hurt their opponent more than they would hurt them. And that's why he was able to debate, which is, I mean, is still, it's still the same problem. Which, let's just even sit here and think about what that says about your parties. When they're so similar in nature, they both of them think the same person is going to hurt the other party. (laughs) All about counterintelligence and sabotage. And it's just, it's, it's, they treat it. I mean, the libertarian pitch to this though, I want to get that because Emily was talking and I I definitely, wouldn't agree with everything, but I'm definitely not going to try to fight you on everything now, especially trying to stay on topic. Um, but I would note that the the reason that libertarians push for a much smaller government is because the government shouldn't have the power to uh, push money towards corporate entities and towards the wealthy. I mean, if the government is less powerful, we're not fighting over such high stakes anymore. We're fighting over. This is true, how to but I would free. simply counter no, with the, yeah. the fact that yeah. a, a laissez-faire market economy shouldn't exist in the first place, or at least the Correct. fiction of one, to enable that money to be kicked toward a government that's bound to chicken and egg, chicken and egg. You guys <laughs> right. are both right, um, but yeah, let's avoid that rabbit hole because we'll just get <laughs> right, way deep right. on our. We'll get way deep. No, no, Tucker. No, it's nothing like that. It's just we'll get a little no. too deep for for, next for time, time next to allow. Time. No, like, um, like so, Tucker, I can, I, I can respect. Oh, go go ahead. Oh, well, I was actually just going to say I was going to offer Tucker a chance to make a closing remark because I wanted to bring our next guest on. But Emily, if you oh, had yes, something, yes. please please feel free. I don't. It wasn't anything super. Sure. Crazy. Now you shuffle me off. I get it again. I had something. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. You. <laughs> I had something that I think is important for anything. I, we were talking about how to get a third party elected. I think that the only way that's ever going to happen is if you start getting a third party involved in like all facets of local government and state government. And then at that point, it'll have the support because if you don't like, even if a a third party won the presidency, like who, who owns the house, you know, like what what about Congress? And it's like, you got to start from the ground up, like Bernie says, grassroots and then take it over. Look, it's not going to happen. Because Bernie Sanders becomes president. I'm not even going to do a fucking impression. I'm disgusted. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Tucker, did you have closing? You got to be a little did, deeper. I know. Right. So I quit. Tucker, <laughs> did you have, uh, would you like to give us a closing remark before we bring on our next guest and, and thank you for your time with us, which has been wonderful? Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me again. Um, 
I, I just wanted to touch on that. I think it's important for anyone that is listening. And even if you completely disagree with the libertarian philosophy, but you believe that third parties should be an option to actively reject messaging that is based in the two-party system. And that can mean that you are supporting vocally a different third-party candidate, or just if someone says that you should vote blue because Trump is so terrible, that you challenge them and say, well, what's so good about, the, what's so good about Joe Biden or what's so good about the Democratic candidate? Um, and it's important that in making our government and making politics better, we make sure to highlight the positives of our candidates instead of just talking about the negatives of our opponents. You're a line dog face pony soldier. You said you were, but you're wow. now you gotta be you honest, drops to be on the call oh, to damn. talk some shit about yeah. the libertarian. You know what he's gonna tell you? Vote for somebody else. That's his line. The other bite. Hey. All right, well, thank so, you. Cool. Tucker. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. We'll bring you on again in the future. Sure and hopefully we didn't like just hopefully like your libertarian fans and followers won't think less of you for for coming and mingling with us. We'll we'll find out. Uh, weird populist. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks, Tucker. Yeah, bye. Bye. See ya. Our next guest, without further ado, is a good friend of mine, probably one of the most deeply politically creative thinkers that I've ever met. Someone who I consider an absolute genius in political campaigns, um, who I've worked with extensively in the past, kind of work with in the present on political stuff. And we are just like, Shake it up type people who are just getting emboldened and more beautiful with age. Uh, without further ado, she is from Tompkins County. She's a former Democratic candidate for New York's 58th Senate District. She's a lifelong resident of Tompkins County and probably my favorite activist that lives within 100 miles of me. Amanda Kirch Gessner, welcome to the show. Oh, I should just go to bed after that. Like, Are you crying? <laughs> my goal was to make you so upset no, that no, you wouldn't no, be able just... to... I've been drinking beers and I'm kind of, oh, listen to you guys and I'm, I'm in. Well, we need, we need you to contribute to this call because you've been blowing up the chat with some, with some, uh, pretty strong statements. And, uh, I wondered if you would like to just lead yourself with any discussion points or whether you'd like me to, uh, curate through. No, like just bring it back. Like, what do you want to talk about tonight? Two parties, how we do better. How do we do better? We need to we need to pass uh, approval voting. Like that's that's first and foremost. That explain uh, approval voting is similar to ranked choice voting, but instead of ranking the candidates in an order that you conceive of, you just select the candidates who you'd be okay with. So how does this work logistically? How do you get through rounds of voting and such? I'm genuinely asking, and for the listeners' sake. So, I mean, right now, what we're working on a campaign for Sujata Gibson, there are seven candidates running in the race, and it would be great if people could vote for the three or five or seven candidates or the one candidate that they supported. And what happens is whoever gets the most yeses, they're the candidate. Now, not to get over the folks can cast an unlimited amount of yeses across the yeah. field. Could they as theoretically they vote yes for everybody? Of a, of a candidate, they vote yes. So it's almost like so a veto does- power more than a. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a vote tally, but it's a ve- the idea is a veto. You only only if you have like a strong objection or an objection. Well, I guess it's the opposite of that. Only if you strongly support a candidate do you do you throw your vote in line. Emily, what were you? I'm sorry, I didn't mean. Oh, I was just going to ask. It's, it sounds like with a system like that, it would be too easy for there to be 
a number of candidates who are tied because I, I would imagine that the um, the ability to say I'm 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 saying a yes I'm okay with this many candidates that would appeal to a lot of people. But but the idea is it's whoever gets the most yeses behind them. So um, it might be better exampled by looking at the national primary we were looking at in the Democratic field, you know, just a few months ago. I mean, Elizabeth Warren would have walked away with it. You know, like, I'm sorry to say that. Like, she was not my first choice. Like, I don't know that I would have approved of her. But you think she was the most widely approved? I think I think she was the second choice of a lot of people. And it, so, right. On your system, she was acceptable and less divisive, so to speak. So probably would have netted more of the overall approval votes. It, I mean, it, yeah, to, to just yeah. break no, it down I, simply. I agree with that. And the thing is, I think it results in a less divisive primary, but I mean, this is how you could take it one step further, like moving away from a primary process, like whoever qualifies to get on the ballot, whatever those qualifications are. Oh yeah. Just let it it roll to November and whoever gets the the most approvals, they're, they're the winner. But that would be democracy. Exactly. <laughs> and the parties, you know, the parties don't get to play gatekeeper yeah, in that event. And in, in a state like New York, where I live, the fucking primaries are so antiquated. They're, they're, the laws were written in well, late 1800s and we're just now yeah. slightly reforming them. I right. mean, it, it, yeah, your, your state is, is very backwards, Stephen. Amanda, oh, I am yeah. curious. How, how would you say that this is superior or results in a truer democracy than ranked choice? It's, I mean, it's the math. To be honest, like it's the Centers for Election Science have talked about this in depth. I'm, I mean, I'm not the math nerd I used to be, but I know I know several who've explained it to me. And basically, the way it works out, depending on your ranking system, I'll, like say Yang might have been the first choice, you know, the first choice of five percent of the people. He might have been more people's second choice, but he'd get knocked out in the first round because he didn't have that much support. You know, if he's right, if that makes sense. So, like, it depends on how your ranking system works. Sometimes the pe- the person who's a first choice and a heavy second choice or third choice will get na- knocked out in the first round. Approval voting just says everybody rides. Whoever gets the most yeses wins. Well, it seems, though, like you could have an election where you know, nobody's first choice got elected and someone who was just like, you know, maybe third choice for a lot of people wound up, you know, coming in just because the most people were like, eh, he's okay. And I would worry that that would lead to a weakened messaging system where everybody was trying to be just enough to be palatable, but not quite strong enough to be the strong, bold first choice. Uh, Interesting. Or that it would not, it would, it would decrease voter turnout because most people are like, well, probably the winner is going to be like my third or fourth choice anyway. That's not much of a motivation for me to go out and vote. Sounds about still better than what we're doing. Well, here in New York, well, definitely, but I was asking like compared to something like ranked choice voting. In other words, if we're going to try to put a lot of effort into pushing for a different kind of a system, why would this be the one that we would choose over right. ranked choice? Because statistically, you get candidates who better represent the people, at least in terms of their approval. Like, the- yeah. I, I, so, do we have I, like extant examples of this? Well, I think um, she said that website only, that's done the research probably would have. And something. they have actually been seeking examples. And one of the few examples I can think of is how old union halls used to vote. 
But theirs was more of like a disapproval system. Like they would cross out people who they didn't want to represent them. So more know. like that veto vote that I kind Process of was theorizing about. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, interesting. Uh, you know, the thing that I like about approval voting, at least in theory, is like it seems like it could blow open third party uh, potentials because you'd actually get a real sense of how many people would support a Green Party or a Libertarian candidate, for instance, uh, simply because people wouldn't be afraid to check off Howie Hawkins or Gary Johnson on the ballot. You know, like, I agree, but I contend right, that's that ranked choice one of the yeah would do it too. But but interesting to hear though. I'm I'm totally like. Can I just saw somebody make a post about some kind of voting, and maybe it was this Amanda, and I I didn't read the article. I was busy with I mean, other stuff, but it's a newer I would like to read up about me. that. Yeah, no, it's that's that's a great now. So give us what are some other examples? That was a great. Great discussion and idea. What, what else is cooking in <laughs> I, that mind of yours? I mean, I honestly, <laughs> in a perfect world, I almost think we wouldn't even have elections necessarily. It'd be more like jury duty and that everybody would be expected to serve at some point. And that would be our incentive to like make sure we had the best educational system ever. Yeah. Because and you know what's... I mean, Amanda, you know better than anybody as a former candidate for for a state house in New York and as a campaign manager for a current one that, uh, you know, frankly, that that that, that whole I, I just totally lost my train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> wow. I mean, um, this idea is way far out. Oh, there. oh, oh, I'm sorry. Part time lawmakers. We're supposed to be part time lawmakers in New York. Our, our New York legislators are not supposed to have their primary job be lawmaking. That's why we only have a session that lasts a few yeah, months. These people the are supposed to pay them a hundred grand a year. Right. Well, of like, course, well, these people are supposed <laughs> that's to like more than most New Yorkers make. Like that's in the in right. the old days, it was more of a call to service. Like you're mentioning, Amanda, like, you know, they say that, you know, you'd have like a town dentist who would, you know, go work in the state house for, for two years, six months at a time. And then he'd go back home and just be a fucking dentist or whatever. And, and that was it. But now you have money impossibly married into all this and you have Cuomo and his power and corruption. You have money married into it. And it money becomes so money, untenable. Right? Yeah. Well, of like, course, of course. Once you have it, I mean, it's it becomes a full-time job to maintain and, and grow it. That's just the nature of the sickness, I guess. Yep. And I mean, this is why the lately I've heard people with the printing money argument because Americans are getting relief. It's like we've been printing money and throwing it at cash funnels called Boeing and, and Northrop Grumman <laughs> right. for 60 years. Know, and what right? do these ding-dongs do? They take the money, throw it in the Cayman Islands, and then put their hand out again and say, I need more. And they don't pay money, tax. Money, please. And Americans get fucked in the you-know-what every minute of the so, day while these people just get richer and laugh well, about it. Probably, and Nancy Pelosi so and Mitch McConnell wrong. are lighting uh, the same box of cigars with the same $100 bill on the same yacht laughing at how fucking stupid we all are. Well, that's what I really want to know. Well, no, probably not. No commie cigars. No, but what's funny is they probably do. Yo, they probably behind the scenes actually enjoy oh, like mad you know, like Russian. Like they're like they're like wearing like fine Russian outfits yeah, and those bugs cigars only and matter in the news. Dude, they got exotic Venezuelan lizards up in cages on their yacht and shit yo they love everything cultural with the the commie what do you guys think though you politically uh orientated people who actually care enough to participate what do you think about tangible ways forward from this i mean that's kind of what i amanda on that i mean i was hoping to hear it yeah uh, we're like okay tompkins county prides itself on its progressivism but it also sits in the shadow of cornell university which is deeply conservative at its core. I mean, it's very well invested in the American educational industrial complex, Mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, 
it's we need to forgive student loans well honestly what we need to be talking about i mean i think like it's very hard to run this race as a non-democrat like we looked at running it third party theoretically it was possible based on the numbers you know because the the republicans couldn't get more than like 30 percent of the vote like that way even if a third party and a democrat split the vote one of them would win but it just seemed as a way to advance our issues. We had to run in this democratic primary. And uh, I guess (laughs) what I see like we need to do here in New York, we need to, to make our stand. Like we need to draw a line in the sand and essentially we really need to come out in support of some of the most progressive positions you can imagine because Lord knows the compromise is going to happen in the state house. But I think New York State should be pushing a universal jobs guarantee. Like, I'm all about UBI, but most people want to work. So let's guarantee them right. jobs. Let's let's make sure that anybody who wants to have a job can make enough money to support themselves and their family and live comfortably. And the nice thing about that is you can easily opt those people in to a state pension system. You can make sure that they have good health care. I, I mean, we fully support universal health care, but there's a good workaround here. It's like if anybody can go get a job working for New York State doing something meaningful in their community or their state, guess what? Every private employer has to compete with that. And that just... Right. I guess that's kind of what I what I mean. And, and it's like this darker aspect of my mind comes into play is like that that upsets the basic fundamentals of this system like in order for billionaires to exist millions of us have to live in poverty so i don't understand like that's what i mean like a realistic way forward how how can we possibly expect functioning inside the framework of this political process well i mean right now we're at such a unique spot in time because of this pandemic and everybody's like what the fuck is going on you know Mm -hmm. i'm out of work i'm laid off I'm non-essential. Like I'm one of the few people that's on unemployment, you know, and like I think I'm essential. making unemployment to do my dream, which is to give as much time to this campaign as possible because we need to talk about these issues. You know, we need to talk about civil liberties and why they matter. You know, like I've happened to found like the only Democrat I know who actually puts civil liberties at the forefront of every decision like i don't know you tell me where that exists anywhere else yeah like josh you imagine imagine bernie without the long record but with the balls to 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 just put it in the face of anybody at any time and say like nah i'm not doing what the democrats told me to do that's kind of what we're dealing with in our race right now so i think it's definitely candidates like that that could not do an overton window but like you know as amanda said we gotta say if we expect any kind of compromise which yeah as josh points out maybe shouldn't be our goal but in this race, it is. If we want to compromise in the state house between where we all stand and where these corporate ding dongs and Cuomo stand, we got to send somebody who's really putting their well, putting their their neck that, out and taking these risks. That's why it's important for like. That's why it's important for people like you guys to be involved because you're. I would say functioning on a more realistic level. You know, like it's one thing to sit here and, and talk about the things that I, that I th- am thinking or we're talking about. It's a whole other thing to go out in the real world and function, you know, with right. voters and actual making change. So, yeah, I definitely respect it. You know what I mean? Like I'm all about it. That's why I asked like about, like I said, like a realistic plan for it. I want to I want to feel and I know a lot of other people feel the same way as I do. They want to find something 
that feels tangible to be involved in. Oh, and what's so funny about me, it's like I got my start, you know, shortly after Donald Trump got elected. Like, you know, all these people I know, like, absolutely hate the man. Like, and I keep trying to remind them, like, I love this man because it's not him. It's the people he brought into my life because of him, you know, involved with DSA. I was just a waitress. You know, I'm proud to say I have more education than Bill Gates. I have an associate's degree that I'm very proud of from TC3. Tompkins Portland Community College to get a little shout out right there. Whoa, 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 whoa. gang, gang. <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> you know, I'm not what you would call a traditional political personality. Like I'm not that well-groomed lawyer who's been, you know, working in my parents' law firm or, or anything like that. Like I talk to people who work for a living for my job. And, and the thing is, when you start talking to people and you treat them with respect and you meet them where they are, guess what? You realize you agree on way more than you don't. Yep. And we might that not. Was, no, that was a central theme in our campaign and your campaign, Amanda, was that exact example. And I don't know if everybody knows or if you said this and I missed it, but you know, you were working as a waitress during our campaign. That was your job. And you were talking every single day to folks in the, at the state diner in Ithaca, New York, real people on the ground. And you were finding common ground with all kinds of voters. And that's why we did so well in the primary in such a heavily democratic district, because you, you, you gave, you gave that you, 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 like you said, you, you went to where they were, you talked to them. You literally would spend days walking around town, talking to people. It, it was, it was a great approach. And I think it worked really well. I mean, one of my friends, like one of my regulars was a Trump supporter, diehard Trump supporter. He cried when I told him I was running for office because he saw somebody that was going to know his story who would actually do something to help people in his position. You know, and this is somebody who works every day, you know, cleaning restaurants overnight, like just a hard working human being. And the thing is like, I totally like relate to that. You know, I don't care who he votes for. I care that he struggles and I care if he thrives. And I feel like we need more of that from our representation. Definitely. How do you, that's what I, how do we channel that reality into actual impact? A bunch of smart motherfuckers have to absolutely go ham and get super duper duper creative. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, so what do we do inside this framework? Like if, if, if the burnster couldn't pull it off. Well, burning, I'm convinced could have, and I'm sorry. Like I, but he didn't though. I'm convinced Bernie was a sheepdog for the Democrats. No, and Stop. I hate to say oh, that. I'm going to fight you. I, you're allowed to, but the fact yeah. of the matter, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, Bernie had the raw potential. The thing is, I'm convinced that there is some type of we cannot trust our voting process if there is an electronic ballot. There's no paper ballot. There has it's, to be a paper ballot. It's capitalism that we're up against. Well, the fact of the matter is like right now where things are like capitalism is failing miserably around us. And you know, what's what's rising up. Like I'm seeing lots of mutual aid societies kind of sprout Definitely, up. Yeah. Neighbors helping neighbors, you know, and, and which are activities completely outside the standard frameworks. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, oh, absolutely. We're, we're fucking around with, with playing playing their game and i know that sounds uh, naive and i guess it is because like what else do we do but what i'm saying is like 
you know, outside of wishful thinking, what do we actually expect to, do we think that we're going to be able to, I mean, Jesus, like, look at people's voting records. Like, look at, look at the shit that's going on all around us. Yeah, in the like, country. How do you like, win I a don't... game where they hire the referees? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Like I don't, Uh-oh. that's, that's, and that, that speaks to like, I, I can say for me and I'm sure for, you know, tons of other people across the country, like it's this, it's like acknowledging that it makes me feel like, like, what the fuck is even the point? Yeah. Like, why even try? Why put the mm-hmm. energy into that? Like, is there other avenues? I think so. I think, and I'm, I'm actually, Stephen, I'm probably going to have to jump off in a little bit here. Um, so that'll just, this is the uh, last thing I'll say probably on here and then have to say goodbye and, and run. Um, I think it's a really good moment right now, just at the moment when people are probably the most disillusioned with electoral politics, at least at the federal level, these you know, with the, the the 2016 and then the 2020 campaign with this, you know, uh, you know, grassroots explosion, euphoria, where we looks like we might pull this off. Oh, and then they, they kicked us in the teeth again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I don't think there's ever been a better time to d- redirect people's energy to saying, OK, maybe we really do need to start from the ground up and we're not going to win a presidential election Absolutely. if we have not begun to build structures in place uniting people at the ground level the community level and that doesn't just look like a presidential campaign that's got to look like like amanda was saying mutual aid aid. it's got to look like what my partner is working on right now here in kalamazoo rent strikes um, kind of rent he's we formed a tenants uh, a a tenants union not just a one strike but an actual organization that will continue to fight on this field um we need to be seeing general strikes of course but the thing that all of these things have in common is we have to get people back into a headspace of looking around at their neighbors, looking horizontally um, in terms of who has my back, who can I rely on to help? Um, you know, wh- wh- that this is where power comes from. This is how we form the structures of power that the elites can't actually Definitely. dismantle because they don't control it. And if we begin to, kind of reconnect these sort of neural pathways and, and, and begin to form these sorts of alliances again, um, looking sideways, not up, you know, if we, we can build from there and we can begin to put people into, if we're going to, you know, go back to trying to enact change through the electoral process. Okay. Well, let's start with city commissioner. Let's start with the school board. Let's start with, and I know that's not exciting and doesn't have the same glamor, um, and emotional, uh, payoff is a, a big presidential campaign, but I think at this point, with with the two Bernie campaigns, what we've proven is we've we've kind of exhausted um, the possibilities of doing anything at that level with the way things currently are. We simply Absolutely. do not have the people the way that we thought we had, the way that we knew that we would have to in order I to make this happen. Agree with that? Like, I think you had the people. I think the you got robbed of your election. Well, we definitely did. But Both. my point is this: yeah. even with this being the campaign with the biggest volunteer army anyone's ever seen in a while and the most individual donors. I mean, we were kicking ass in those categories. Um, we still had absolutely shameful voter turnout compared to a lot of countries. Democracy in general in this country still is in a shambles um, compared to anything that would be a thriving democracy, um, regardless of, um, you, you know, like the, even the best we could do in this system still wasn't good enough. But how, and I how think it's because we trust that. Like, how, how do we know that for sure? How do we know that for sure? Yeah, like from, from well, a common just person. just the numbers for how, how, you know, how many people turn out in this country. 
right, compared like, to the population, I guess, compared to what, elections. What do you other mean? How do we know what for sure, John? Like, I don't know if you guys were on the same page I there. What do you I'm mean? How do we know like what from, for sure? From the common person's perspective, is how do we have? How do we trust the votes? How do we know that people aren't showing up? How do we? No, they're not just. Oh, you. I saying, don't think anyone's really arguing that. Well, there is the that exit poll showing up. That show the exit, up. the exit poll discrepancies, right? I mean, we see that, or is that well, a bunch of bullshit? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about voter turnout oh, okay. in general. I'm I thought JB was talking about in general. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So JB's I'm asking about vote manipulation. Generally speaking, we don't have a democracy yes. that anybody trusts enough or is excited about enough that most of our people show up. We don't have that. We have. Well, I think JB's point is JB's point is again perhaps they are showing up and they're skewing the numbers on us at these at these corrupt polling places. Yeah, right. I don't think anyone's actually cooking the books on the amount of people that show up to vote for either party. In oh, so so you think that they're keeping the turnout numbers the same but they may be tweaking the proportions of who went to who emily well, that's I, I the thing. they don't that's all they would have to do they wouldn't have to try to yeah sure um, it, it doesn't take a lot to you know i mean I, i'm i'm with you on that we watched the same things play out in the same. primaries and in the, in the last one and this one as well i watched votes disappear oh, I have- there was a massive discrepancy in michigan i tried to send that further up the chain when i was actually still on payroll uh, with the campaign, yeah, like I got um, my dad. Even still, though, when you look at just how many people there are in this country and how many stay home, what a huge chunk of the populace stays home. No, nobody really argues that that's the case, and it's not hard to see why people might feel that way. There is a, a very, um, yeah, there's a widespread sense that this, and it's not inaccurate that no, the system all, is yeah. broken, that it doesn't it doesn't serve me or my interests or my family's anyway. Why should I bother to show up? Um, not realistically. I don't think either anyway, party yeah. is really, yeah, 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 not realistically. So, I mean, uh, but here's the thing. Okay, so my partner did actually last fall run for a city commissioner here in Kalamazoo. And one thing that we noticed that was really interesting because I was up here um, helping with that is that even in areas of the city uh, that typically you do not see high voter turnout from when we were doing door knocking and, and collecting data, even the, these people who are like, oh, no, I don't vote. But when we were talking to them and we're also talking about like what was on the platform and that we really actually wanted to do like revolution and we wanted because it was a um, he was running on the the Socialist Party ticket. Uh, So very unapologetically hardcore socialist platform and people were responding to it. People in low income working class neighborhoods that, you know, were initially looked, you know, skeptical or were like, "Ah, I don't vote, you know, don't don't bother me when they heard uh, some of the things that we wanted to do were like. I'm down for that. Of course. That sounds yeah. cool. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Sign me up if we're going to do that. And that is, that's, that's um, the, the response that we've been seeing putting together this renters union has been very indicative of that, that people are saying, okay, you really want to do some real nuts and bolts fighting back against corporate entities. Um, the, the property owning class in this country or in the city even, and, and the effect that they're having on my lives in mm-hmm. real tangible ways that I can see and understand. I'm, I'm here. Show me where to show up. Right. You know? And that's, that's where the power really lies. And that's what you were saying exactly. earlier too. Like, yep. I feel like that's where all of our efforts should be focused is at that like grassroots 100%. local. And that's how you build revolution. We just had a panel in our campaign where the leader of the five uh, nations uh, spoke about what his, he said, people have been coming to him saying, what can I do to help in the pandemic? And his answer is, you know, clean up your yard. When you're done, go clean, help your neighbor clean up his. When the both of you are done, go clean the third neighbors. Obviously he's, he's making a point with that, with that anecdote. Right. And that's something that we as a campaign 
it just hit us like a ton of bricks. Like, why are we even, we shouldn't be phone banking. We should be phone banking people and asking them if they need a garden bed built and then going and building that garden bed and not turning it into a publicity stunt, but just doing service. And I think what y'all are describing is if we build out a mutual aid based activist network, I mean, that's some of the strongest bonds you can build people helping each other survive in their community. I just think we are at a unique moment. I would say, yeah, and John says Lancaster, right? The Yamish folks. No, don't discredit the work that you have done, though. You know, like even even functioning on that level within that framework, like what you guys did through the last eight years of Bernie shit was definitely open. These things have, like I said to you earlier, Steve. Like I feel like a lot of times, if I if I give people the space and I don't say the words, they'll describe socialism to me as an ideal way to live. They'll describe. Amen. 100%. I don't, as long as I don't drip, as long as I don't drop these terms on them, they're going to, they're going to tell it me exactly really the same thing easy. I'm saying. Yeah. So I yeah, wouldn't it is very easy to get the average person to agree with socialist ideas. As long as you don't use that label, it's Fucking like a, they'll it invent it in five minutes. If you That's leave them alone and let them, I personally, yeah, I, think I was saying like earlier, buzzwords are a big deal, you know? Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a there's a word that our candidate uses, and she's a legal expert. It's like a team signifier or something. People hear certain words, and that just slams their needle, mm. activates well, them, and puts them oh, to the polar. The American experience is so indoctrinated against, like you know, the the boogeyman words, communism and anarchism, oh, yeah. socialism. These things are. You know, it's, it, it's like Those a trigger response. Like yeah, but the problem yeah, is... Yeah, you're if, trained to have a knee-jerk response when certain buzzwords are used. Definitely, if you ignore yeah. that stuff long enough, though, the buzzwords become like guillotine, uh, militia. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure. just saying. Oh, yeah. I, I'm down with that. <laughs> I was, <shocked. laughs> was, was going to say, say that too. I was Sorry, still waiting was I not for, clear I was, I was a communist? Okay. I mean, I was yeah. still literally waiting for the bad part. I'm like, go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, but, but, go on. <laughs> but no, anyway, that's that's true, JB, and I do appreciate <laughs> I do appreciate your counter perspective, JB. As I see the four other waveforms pipe piping in on the on the podcast here, like, fuck yeah, where are we roasting marshmallows at? Well, Let's party. Yeah. I was going to say though that socialism seems way more in line with civil civil liber- libertarianism than anything else. This whole idea that you need to guarantee a safety net so that people can practice their individual freedom in a way that doesn't cause harm to others. Right. I mean, yeah. You know, like imagine, I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. They're not imagine defining freedom. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's, it really is. You have to give it to, corporate American um, hegemony that, that we've convinced people that the height of freedom is being in such economic duress that, you know, they really don't have a life. It's, you know, they don't have any choices. They have no life, no choices, no real choices anyway that they can make. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so damn free. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking horrifying. It plums really. the depths. Yeah, even yeah. yeah. They have to buy a six pack. You it know? makes my brain turn to shit. When yep. I think it, about it, 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 it is hard. It Every is hard. Time. I got <laughs> the Chrissy Teigen cookbook for boots. I mean, I guess what it's JB like- keeps coming in with these. Like, I think JB's developing a character I for the show, that, yeah. Eight, where he's gonna come now? and be this like, like he's gonna do voices and shit. So now I officially, you know what he's done <laughs> is he's mean. made himself invaluable to this show. Now What's I gotta it? have him on it's every ASMR show. ASMR. Oh, when you listen to people eat, yeah, yeah, yes. we were doing yes. ASMR. That's what he's doing. Yeah, 
We were doing it in the warm up. He started this. Yeah, now he's doing it again with that lickety clickety shit. No. Knock it off. You're no, grossing me out, dude. It, it feels like your tongue is in my fucking ear set, and I don't like that, I that. a lot. Sorry. I hated that like ever since I, there wasn't a term for it, but every now and then there'd be a movie, and somebody would be mic'd up so that you felt like you were in their fucking mouth, and it would yeah. just drive no, me. No off. human being is supposed to be like that close. And there are some ASMR I like, like the ones where they're like crinkling paper and stuff. Those are kind of nice and soothing, but not the mouse sounds. God, yeah, no. I don't get it either. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Late Emily, stage. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you said your battery is going to die or something. So you're going to have to hop off. Um, it's running I, low. Yeah. I got to run. Cool. cool. Well, feel free to stick around until you just. And, uh, yeah. So it was great to have you. And we'll do another episode soon. Yeah. And it was great to talk to y'all. And yeah, um, yeah absolutely. All right, keep uh, keep fighting the fight. Yeah, right we will. Right. Thank you very much, and and everybody All else. Right. Um, we we can kick it for a couple more minutes here. Uh, I wanted to do maybe another quick five ten minutes of discussion, and then we'll call this we'll call this uh, a wrap. So right. to our listeners, I know we haven't had a show in a while, and I probably should have said this at the very beginning. Um, obviously, pandemic shit. Uh, obviously, a little bit of like de- like not depression, but like just disappointment and a. F- feeling of utter hopelessness okay never mind depression about the uh results of the fucking bernie situation um i think that i've been reinvigorated though with a sense of purpose working on a great campaign now uh working back with my nonprofit to get shit done and just kind of recalibrating everybody to look outside this box and i don't want to be guilty of pushing incremental change but i think there's there is virtue to incremental change it's just not in the way that we've been sold it by these goofy democrats for 80 years right. there is value to pushing needles a little at a time we all know that we all have had projects in life where you just work hard and keep getting better at something and then you do well at it and then you just keep you know and you keep going and going and going and i think if enough people get motivated you know, and get started to get moving towards something like mutual aid or something that's genuinely productive in communities, we could see like a fucking a radical shift coming. You know, people growing um, food together. Legit. Helping one another take care of their kids. Like, yep. I mean, there's so many things that the government isn't doing right now. And and we can help each other. And that's and part we of the. We yeah. can help each other and we can realize, you know, why are we sp- why are we spending money on these things that we aren't really getting, you know? I saw a breakdown once that stuck in my head for, it's been over a decade now. It said something along the lines of like paraphrasing out, like anarchism uh, would be like, you know, a a shared dinner with friends and family. Everybody brings something to the table. Everybody shares in their responsibilities. Like every single day, radical politics, I would say are acted out in tons of aspects of our lives, like whether it's your personal family, your friends, like the people you work with, like it happens constantly. We're just kind of so ingrained and indoctrinated to think that this shit is like a a separate realm, like only for books or pipe dreams that we kind of resign ourselves to participating in these like set apart ways, you know, but really every day, like, I mean, even doing this right now, it's a willingness and a courage to act on your dreams and not just say, ah, we'll never get there. Definitely. We, your just, shared we have to totally accept like- that's, that's literally a tagline in our campaign. It, it, that's something that we're pushing right now is we all fucking like, courage. We all sound like, like a yeah, bunch yeah. of dreamers as if Dream there aren't yeah. out hey. there who Well, you know, Marianne Williamson had, had, had <laughs> some, you know, this was the campaign to like have crystals in your pocket and be doing spiritual shit because there's something funky in the air in this country. I'm telling you, <laughs> there is a serious tendency towards spiritualism, and it's not getting less intense with this weird well, pandemic. So dry like, on people it. People don't want to talk about like our very na- the nature of reality. It's like 
this isn't the game for you, but I'm sorry. We all have limitless potential. We've created a system that prevents people from realizing it. And that is the problem. It doesn't we, even, yeah, they it created it. it. We just perpetuate oh, yeah. it. You know, and it like, deliberately obstructs it. It's not even just like it's impartial and doesn't encourage it. It's it's designed to keep us in that role. Yes. And it's all, and I thought of this when earlier when there was a big discussion going on, everything that they do to counter message us is absolutely militaristic. Oh yeah. There is oh, absolutely dude. nothing but a total destruction of the enemy at any absolute cost by any absolute means, whatever is necessary I mean, to completely yeah. destroy the enemy is what we do. That's why we've learned to look, I mean, this is literally class war. Well, I mean, that's what I love about our campaign, though. Like, there's room for everybody in it. Like, we're not telling anybody they have to go home or go to bed. You know, it's like, right. if you're willing to work with us, like, we absolutely want to work with you. But we need people who are ready to, like, serve up some change because people are tired of working oh, 60 hours a week. You know, can't afford to like keep their kids in daycare. I I know it's just, and that's that's my thing, person. Like I guess from from a, this anarchist uh, perspective is that's that's how I kind of view like we talk about in, incremental change in, in electoral politics and shit. Like is in a in a in a macro sense, like have we really gone forward? Have we really gained anything? I mean, we're more fucked now than we were. 60 70 years ago we just stay getting fucked that's kind of true you know as it's someone who's standing true. for incremental yeah, there's, change there's it, measurable it's, metrics it's, for that I, yeah and it, but but then the question becomes what's the alternative to hope you know well, and, and even if I, we have to change even if our hope's definition total destruction of hope. right hope could be i mean for me now hope is is not an electoral channel really hope is getting away from electoral channels toward a more populist Visceral. Towards that grass, grassroots. What's exactly. the word? M- municipality, like your local, low level municipality. Yeah. You know, uh, what's I can't figure out the word. I'm trying to find your like low level horizontal. You know, uh, setups like governments and shit. Like that's how it. Like community first. You change your community, then you can change your city. You can change your city. You can change your state. Like what she was saying earlier, Emily, I believe. Yep. You start at that super low level, man, and and you. Maybe a, maybe a basic rejection of all this shit, like playing these games, period. Because what do they really do? They Well, that's why the- Bernie – I mean, think about it, That's what Bernie did. He was an independent, not a Democrat or Republican. The only reason we've seen Bernie Sanders as a Democrat is so he can pop out and run for president with these fucking goons. I mean, right. he won, he won the Burlington mayoral as an independent. And, and that's you know, why he, he started small. The, that's why he could never be the president. That's a good point. It's a very good that's point. That's exactly why. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean. So instead of being defeated and be like, okay, now we have to like pick raper one or raper two or whatever the fuck. I, I, right. I, He's already. I think that Bernie had to do that because even if he had won, it's a democratic house or Senate. And then, you know, then what, you know what I mean? Like, well, you, I, I you think to, what Josh is saying yeah, is not comes that through with those he had Joe to do Rogan, that. Like, well, and, and, and right. And he's right. But I think there's a little distinction here. I think that, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily what Josh is saying. I think that he's saying that, um, ah, never mind. Maybe I don't. There's something to be said of a catalyst too, right? Like, so let's say in a perfect world that Bernie Sanders did get elected president, like that, that would be in my mind anyway, just because of the shit that he was saying and trying to do, that would be a catalyst that would, that would force change whether or not, you know, government 
agency A, B, and C were to fall directly in line. Like we're not playing that game anyway. And that's where I feel like we keep failing is because we keep measuring our successes or failures by their metrics. Their framework, right. And here's the distinction I was trying to make. Josh is saying because he has to come from independent the Democrat to run, he'll never be president. What I interpret that is those fucking Democrats are never going to let that motherfucker win, whether they have to lay down backwards on a no, sword. No, I don't want to be that guy, but like if he won, won they would have and, and my thought in the Democratic Party. Like it- and my, well, and my thought was that JB was saying reasonably that if he did get elected, he'd have to work within a Democratic framework. I think both are true he, it's not, he though, i think the president no, says the policy <laughs> like that is the president that is the executive's job is to set policy initiatives more so it's a public leadership uh thing it's it's a it, the way our culture works the way our, yeah, our we politics need a name works. we need so, a figurehead absolutely yeah, if and that's like i'm saying so if he were to have become president he would have been able to enact these types of changes and that's that reason alone is why like, yo, this is motherfucking, you know, imperialist capitalism. Like, they're not going to allow that kind of shit to go down. Right. Bottom line. Yep. Nope, so if I agree we can that, accept I mean, that, it. yeah, then, yeah. yeah. So we start from that point and then move onward. And like Emily was saying, I guess the next logical step would be that, all right, if you're not going to let us fuck with it on a national and international scale, then we'll fuck with it in our communities and our homes and Yep. And big up to Emily's partner, Andy, who's like, does all this incredible work in and in, in and around Kalamazoo, Michigan. He was, I just saw a news article today on the internet about uh, a union or whatever he started up among tenants, radical shit people that, that is, and I don't, I mean, radical exactly two ways there. Like that is the shit Both we need ways. to be doing. It's yep. gnarly as fuck. And it's also pretty extreme when you really look at it, you know, and it's like tangible, man. Tenant. Like, you know, when absolutely. you're fucking- when you're working that 40 hours a week, dude, trying to decide, like, do you want to buy your kid a birthday present, groceries, or rent this month? Yeah. When someone comes and explains to you, like, a rent strike, it's that's that that's that spark. Fuck yeah. 100%. I think well, we've I actually, though we... agree with that. And, and though we've wa- wandered wildly in this talk, <laughs> and it's been absolutely delightful and absolutely just literally beautiful. My only regret is that we have more time to like make fart jokes and fuck around. Oh, um, yeah. I think that we, I think that we can agree that really we're all boiling down to community-based mutual aid, re- community resiliency, making our communities and our structures more resilient by focusing on filling gaps with each other locally, rather than hiding out and, and waiting for corporations to fill every gap for us physically and spiritually, which is their goal to try to do to continue to eternally maximize their profits. Right. Good. Okay. That is resistance. Yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. Um, And that's, I think we've kind of, at this point we're coming toward a natural close. I just want to ask everybody, uh, you know, I first want to thank Amanda and again, uh, back to Tucker and Emily who are joining us. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on Amanda did you want to uh, wrap us up with a with a final thought before we say our goodbye told me this was going to be out? 5 to 10 minutes well you know i lied and that's <laughs> well, i just, really appreciate the it's not my fault you're such a fucking great conversationalist so well, no, i just i like i love having these conversations and that's what like the other if i could stress anything with any of your listeners like don't be confrontational talk to people who are different than you. Like that's what organizing is like, that's where the spark is. You have to talk to people who are different than you. I aspire to be like you at it, Amanda. I watch you move and it's just like, holy shit. Like somebody can like roast you personally, talk shit on your candidate, talk shit on your ethos. 
and you still finish a three sentence rebuttal that doesn't even seem like a rebuttal, but that just keeps opening that channel of communication. And I know you're not saying just, you know, let Democrats beat you up, but you are saying that eventually if you persist in your efforts to just communicate, and like you said in your campaign, meet people where they are and talk to them, you will break through that fucking wall. Oh, and make I mean, them. Right. Just find out grateful. where they park their car and you can yeah. slash their tires. <laughs> It's a little, you know, we're not into like harming people. Well, yeah, no, no, I, I, that was, I wasn't saying to do that. I was, I mean, oh, I you were just, they, I was saying that people have done that. That's all. <laughs> we won't contest that. Uh, I, so Amanda, did you have a final thought before you started roasting me about my lies about the timing constraints of this show? Well, no, I'm just honestly like, don't be afraid to meet people where they are. Like you never know who you're going to meet there. And keep an open mind, keep your chin up and honestly be grateful because, you know, God willing, we will wake up tomorrow. Like there will be another day, like, and that's what it all boils down to, you know, like how much love is in your life and how much love you have to share with those around you. That's, that's really what this is all about for me. Word up. Right on. I'm with that. One fucking love. Back Bring to our Bob Marley. Circle back to Bob Marley. Yep. Back to fucking Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On that note, yeah. I'm gonna cruise. I'm gonna cruise thanks us out here in about. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Amanda. I'm gonna cruise us out of here in about 60 seconds with a little Bob. First, I wanted to say, Josh, Jables, the strange, the bizarre commenter, the impressionist, and ever the comedian. Thank, and, and also the very, very brilliant political commentator. Thank you for joining us. Josh, my man, this time X amount of years ago, we were riding around Europe in Freddy's tour van, listening to fucking the same Van Halen record every day. right, we were. And uh, that was because our weird Belgian tour bus driver was absolutely obsessed with Van Halen in 2012. Van Halen that came out pretty recently. It was some shit we had definitely never heard, but now... I look back to quite endearingly. So, uh, y'all are my bros and my sisters. Um, thanks y'all for joining us. I guess everybody uh, just say a quick peace, and we'll see you next time on the Burn After Listening podcast. All right, thanks for having me, man. Later, dudes. I'll see you guys.